This is Richard Pothig, and I am at Chapter 6, a summer that I remember very well. After the birth of my sister Erna in 1934, my mother's tuberculosis became more serious. The five-flight walk-up became more of a burden to her. Her physical condition finally forced us to move from 1543 First Avenue. She had lived all 34 years of her life there. In 1935, we moved to a second-floor apartment between 82nd and 83rd Street on First Avenue. The move to a more congenial setting did not change our mother's constant worry over our health. She was always afraid that she would pass her tuberculosis on to us. Since she had an active case, she could never show physical affection to either Erna or me. It was one of the crosses she bore. She was continually concerned over Erna's low weight. She would buy a can of Borden's Hemo at the 86th Street Woolworths and mix it with milk for Erna. Then she would add light cream and a blood builder, which Erna detested. Part of her stratagem to keep us healthy was to get us out of the city. She was always working on plans to get us out of the city. In her younger years, Erna was sent to stay for short periods with her godmother, Emma West, in Garden City. When I was 11, she had saved up enough money to send me to Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. The Masick family who lived in our tenement knew the McCurries who lived on a small farm in Cherry Valley outside of Stroudsburg. The Masicks interceded on my behalf and asked the McCreary's if they would be willing to take me in their home for two weeks of the summer vacation. The McCreary's agreed, and I was on my way to Stroudsburg during the hot days of August in New York. The trip to Stroudsburg was the longest journey I had made in my 11 years. The McCreary's met me at the train station. I was easy to spot since I was the only 11-year-old to get off the train. They appeared as eager to see me as I was to know someone was waiting for me. The McCreary's had three unmarried adult children, two sons and a daughter, a daughter Grace. They all lived on their small farm. Their home was several miles across and outside of Stroudsburg, set in the midst of rolling farm country. Cherry Valley was composed of small family farms. The roads were dirt and gravel. Asphalt had not come to this part of eastern Pennsylvania. Some houses along the road were better kept than others. The McCree's home showed much love and care. For a city boy, this summer experience was to be an eye-opener. There were several boys my age in the farmhouses nearby. The one who stood out that summer was Willie Lutchen. He was one of at least five Lutchen children. I never did see them all at one time, so there may have been more. The Lutchen family lived across the road from the McCreary's in a ramshackled house. The only building in worse shape than the house was the barn. It was the closest I had come to see poverty country style. It was a slice of tobacco road come north. Nothing seemed to bother the Lutchens. They had a reputation in the community of claiming other people's property as their own. This was only one of their weaknesses. One of the big events during my two-week stay at McCreary's was a visit from the state police officer searching for property which had been reported missing. Someone had suggested beginning the search on the Lutchen farm. I even got into the show. 
Since I had been over to the Lutchens with Billy, the state trooper asked me if I had seen any property that looked like it didn't belong to the Lutchens. <laughs> Since everything was pretty run down on the farm, he expected that I might see something which stood out as looking too new. <laughs> I told the officer that you couldn't tell anything by me. I was just a visitor in the neighborhood. The McCreary's, who were generous, spirited people, were not the ones to put down their neighbors, but Mrs. Curry, by way of inference, suggested that I not spend too much time with Billy Lutchen. This was difficult since he was immediately across the road. The only other time I saw kids in the neighborhood was when they gathered at the swimming hole, the main means of recreation during the summer. Billy was a mature 12-year-old. It proved to me that kids raised on a farm were more precautious about sex and life in general than any city kid I knew. Farm kids learned a great deal about life from the farm animals. Billy was into promoting sex with a 16-year-old girl who was visiting another farm family down the road. I believe she slugged him for his brazenness. Billy couldn't believe I came from New York City. Nor could he believe my politics. I didn't think he had ever met a Democrat. He asked Mrs. McCreary how I could be a Democrat and be for Roosevelt. This was 1936, and election fever was high, particularly in farm country. Alf Landon, the Republican candidate, was out of a Kansas farm country and had strong support from the farm community. Mrs. McCreary had a hard time explaining my politics to him. Most of the folks in Cherry Valley were Republicans. They thought that Democrats were from places like Philadelphia. She finally said that city folks just live and think differently. She told him that city folks lived in crowded tenements with little space and had bad air to breathe. I believed I was hearing a version of how Mrs. Masick had sold the McCurries on taking me in for two weeks that summer. She finally told him that's where I came from and then added, maybe that's why Richard is a Democrat. <laughs> McCreary's were faithful Methodists. They said grace at their meals. This was new for me. They also regularly read their Bible. This was also new for me. They asked me if I knew the books of the Bible all the way through. This was not one of the pieces of knowledge that I had learned from Goodwill Sunday School, but I did know Bible stories, especially Old Testament stories. I told them that one of the fun things we did at Goodwill was to act out the stories we read in the Bible. This was some consolation to the McCreary's. Their family Bible, which had a prominent place in their living room, was a large book with a thick leather cover. In the front, the McCreys had the history of their family going back several generations. I was impressed that they knew their family back to the early 1800s. The Bible was filled with colorful pictures of major events in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I could identify some of the pictures since I had played parts in some of the stories. One rainy afternoon, I spent hours paging through the pictures in the family Bible, refreshing my memory about the stories I had heard or acted in. On Sunday, we went to the Methodist Church in the Valley. It was a white one-room building which seated about a hundred people. Cherry Valley normally had a few visitors during the summer vacation. During the service, the minister asked for the visitor who had come the furthest distance. 
I thought nobody could beat out New York City. The McCurries had me stand up and announce where I was from, as if the congregation couldn't tell from the accent. Everybody turned around to look at this wonder. Then somebody in the front got up and announced they were from Denver, Colorado, or someplace, and everybody applauded. The minister welcomed all the visitors, and with tongue-in-cheek, even those places as far away as New York City. Cherry Valley had a swimming hole. It was about a mile down the road, and it was a very dusty gravel road, which ran past the McCreary house and then off on a spur. The swimming hole had all the makings of a Norman Rockwell print. It was the gathering place for the kids from the farms. It was a special treat for summer visitors. The swimming hole was the size of an overlarge pond. There was a large tree at the edge of the pond with a long limb hanging out over the pond. The kids climbed out on the limb and either dropped or jumped into the water. The pond was no more than five or six feet at its deepest. On a hot summer's day, with the air motionless and the dust from the gravel road still clinging to us, it was an experience to remember. The closest thing Eastsiders had to a swimming hole was the East River. On a summer's day, some of us would trek down to the end of 84th Street to Carl Schutz Park. It was the closest patch of green we had on the east side. 84th Street dead-ended at the East River. A railing protected cars from driving off into the river. We would lean against the railing at the East River's edge and watch as some of the more adventuresome drove off the rocks which jutted out into the East River. Swimming in the East River never appealed to me. I knew that at 87th Street, a drainage pipe was emptying the garbage of Yorkville into the river. Even though the river moved at a constant pace, the water had a brownish hue. You could never tell what was in the river. There was an abundance of stories which sent shivers through anyone who had any thoughts about swimming in the East River. One story which chilled any except the more bold was of the boy who dove off the rocks into the East River at East 84th Street and never came back up. When they dragged the river for his body, they found him with his head wedged into a large milk can which had been thrown into the river. The summer of 36 was my first encounter with a snake. I had gone out on the front lawn after supper to play with the family dog. The McCurry home had a full front porch which overlooked the lawn and the road. On the right side of the lawn was a field of high weeds. The evening air was heavy with the heat of the day. I heard a sound at the edge of the weeds and a sound like a rattle. I went over to see what had made the noise, but Bill, the oldest McCurry son, was standing on the porch. He heard the sound as well. He came down the steps with a bound, ran to the side of the house and picked up a shovel and made for the edge of the weeds. A rattler, he said, and he said it with little emotion. He began thrashing in the weeds, bringing down the shovel with well-aimed strikes. He stopped and poked the snake with the shovel. It was motionless. He picked up the rattlesnake by its tail. It looked like a mighty healthy snake to me. He pulled the rattle off the tail and handed it to me for a souvenir. It made a great story when I got back to 83rd Street. About three days after the snake episode, I was again on the lawn after supper. This time I was looking for four-leaf clovers. As I was bending over, I suddenly had a sharp pain in my right side. It doubled me up. Mrs. McCurry, who was on the porch, reacted immediately. Is there something wrong, Richard? I just had an awful pain in my side. It really hurts. Mrs. McCurry went into the house, called the family doctor. 
She told him the symptoms. I couldn't hear the conversation. I was on the grass, doubled up in pain. Without any further questions, Grace, the McCurry daughter, got me into the car and rushed me off to Stroudsburg Community Hospital. The doctor was waiting at the hospital when we got there. He asked me how I felt and tested the place where I had the sharp pain. He called out to several nurses to prepare me for an emergency operation. The next thing I remember was a mask coming down over my face and the smell of ether dragging me down into a deep sleep. When I woke up, the room was bright from the morning sun and my mother was standing by my bed. My first thoughts were about the long trip she had to make from New York to be with me. Then I thought about the expense. Where would she get the money to pay for the operation? Just when she thought she was getting ahead, I had to come down with appendicitis. Before I left the hospital, the doctor came to see me. He was a good-natured man who said that he was proud of me and that I was lucky. He told me that the appendix was on the verge of bursting. If it had, peritonitis would have set in, and I would have been a goner. He also told me I was the first appendicitis patient that he had incised horizontally. I was an experiment. I always wondered whether he took that off the bill. <laughs> I never asked my mother. The horizontal incision mended nicely, and I was on my way back to the sidewalks of New York with a summer full of stories to tell. Music